Howdy, y'all. If you want to support local small businesses right now, musicians, and also create a fun evening with people that you love without leaving the comfort of your own home, Local Lovebox has you covered. Order food and beverage delivered straight to your house and then cook with local chefs online via a step-by-step video. All while learning about locally craft brewed beers straight from the brewer themselves. Then you enjoy your dinner and your beer while watching and listening to your favorite local musicians. The first week was a huge success. Let's do it again. Go to thelocallovebox.com, thelocallovebox.com and order your boxes. Also, Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream can ease aches, pains, inflammations, and arthritis with topical CBD. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream provides immediate relief by combining the powerful regenerative properties of CBD with other active botanical ingredients. Each bottle of Cosmetic Hemp Pain Cream is packed with 400 milligrams of their patented water-soluble CBD, ensuring maximum absorption into the skin. Be kind to your skin and go to Cosmedicated.com, C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com. Use the South of Scruffy promo code SOS20 and get 20% off of your entire order. Love it. Love you guys. All right, let's do the podcast right now. Welcome in, guys. South of Scruffy podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I'm the host of this podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I'm very grateful that you are choosing to spend your time listening to this. I've got Derek Trimble on the show today. Derek Trimble is a photographer, uh, graphic designer, and a bulletproof man who refuses to lose. Derek and I wanted to chat about how to stay creative during this uh, time of quarantine or shelter in place or whatever you want to call it. People are spending a lot of time at home. We're all getting creative about how to get creative and we're all getting creative about ways to spend time with each other uh, while making sure that we stay safe. Derek and I had a great conversation. He's a wonderful, lovely man. And Derek has a really great gift of being able to provide perspective for all of us. We all need to look at Derek and get some perspective because the man's been through some stuff and he has a wonderful attitude about how we're going to come out on the other side of all this. And we need to take that with us. I think he was fantastic and I appreciate him being here. And I want to give us all a big pat on the back for the way that we're navigating this time of uncertainty with grace and with um, a little bit of tact and making sure that our neighbors and especially the elderly are being taken care of during this time. And just thumbs up to everybody who's, who's doing it. Uh, you heard the ad at the top, local love box, check that out for sure. Um, it's really neat, really neat deal that Joe Fox and some other folks have put together and asked me to help with. And, um, really appreciate it if you guys engage with them because it's a, it's a really good thing that's going on and it's, it's helping a lot of people through this time. So, uh, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. I appreciate it a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Derek Trimble. That's extremely accurate. I think this is a good six feet. What do you think? I don't, you know, it's real close. Maybe they padded it a little bit when they said six feet. I mean, maybe, maybe five and a half is. Like, I feel like the antibacterial properties from all of the uh, outdoor space, yeah, is going to be fine. Is probably good. We've got plenty of solvents in here too. So yeah, we do lots of wet wipes and all. Wet that. wipes, beer. Yeah, nothing. Nothing can. Li- I, I can barely live in this environment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know the thing for me is uh, you know like we've talked about this like I 
today's not any different than any other normal day for me. Like, yeah. I'm walking around. I'm, I'm afraid of everybody's flu. I get a, as soon as a flu shot is available, I get it. Really? Oh yeah. So you're, you're pretty, you, you stay on top of, of keeping, keeping safe. And yeah. Like I don't have a spleen, which is uh, kind of messed up. So like, yeah. I've What's ar- a spleen do? So the, the radio version of that is it basically helps you fight off infections. Yeah. It helps you, you know, produce antibodies. Yeah. Um, it's another one of those, like, it's an organ you can scuttle and still have a perfectly normal life. Yeah. You know, my granddad's 88. He had his taken out in Korea somewhere, I think. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's old and grumpy, but yeah, he's, he's still alive. He's still kicking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, your spleen, uh, your gallbladder, we know you can live without that. Yeah. Uh, your appendix appendix. Yeah. Um, you can function without a lung. There are a lot yeah. of people running around with one lung. Yeah. That's not, that's a, at that point you get to be a little bit more inhibited. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but you don't have a spleen. I don't. Why not? So you want the, you want the whole story? Just or? hit me, hit me with it. What? Yeah. I mean, right. yeah, I do. I'd, so, uh, the whole I kind of st- know, but I'd yeah, like yeah, to yeah, know. yeah. So the, I'll give you the, the annotated version of this and then you can hit me with questions. Um, yeah. So when I turned 30, uh, like September, August, September of that year, I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a, a form of cancer of your blood system. Yeah. Um, I got hospitalized. Uh, I was having this, I was having this terrible problem with like sweating, like bad. Like I would wake up in my bed and it just look like somebody just poured a gallon of water on it. And you're 30 years old. You're I'm like 30. Well, what the hell's going on? Well, not only that, like I'm 30 and I'm like rock strong. Like yeah. I'm, you know, physically in really good shape at this point in my life. Um, and like typical 30 year old fashion, you know, you, and especially when you're in good health, like you just think it's a thing like, Oh, yeah. you know, I've, you know, it's a bad piece of potato, you know, yeah. like kind of thing. So I went to, I went to see a bunch of doctors and, I got a bunch of other like crazy doc like for uh, like for like three months while I had cancer like somebody was treating me for like a bladder infection really kind of thing you know but, like a kidney infection or something before shit. you were diagnosed yeah yeah and finally I you know I'd gone to see I'd gone to get multiple opinions because I was having like night sweats and like fevers sometimes that were so high I'd pass out really yeah I'd like get up and like take a shower come out and kind of feel woozy take my temperature and it'd be like a hundred and four holy shit. You know, and so my wife and I had just been dating at this point. And finally, one day I got up to take a shower and made it like halfway to the bathroom and woke up like three hours later. Dude. Like didn't make it to work. Like Dude. phones blowing up the whole thing. So anyway. Good. And you were alone at home? Yeah. I, was, I lived by myself. Like I was single, oh, shit, you know, man. so like I'm sure there are plenty of people who are single who like just don't live through that because they're right. just too, you know, too stupid to go to the ER. Right. Um. So anyway, I call her and I'm like, hey, I need to go to the doctor. Like, I need you to take me. I don't think I can drive. You know, whole spiel. She comes, picks me up. And like, it's, dude, it's August in Alabama and I'm in a sweater. I'm like sweating, you know, like, mm. but I'm freezing. Yeah. Right. Like freezing. <laughs> well, it's weird. Right. Cause yeah. like when you have a fever like that, you're just, you know, you're freezing to death. Yeah. You're just sweating. Yeah. To yeah. Death. Um, you felt like you had the flu or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't know. Yeah. So go to the doctor. They gave me some kind of like terrible prognosis. They, they sent me to the hospital and I didn't leave for like three weeks. Did they diagnose your cancer at that point? It took a while. Really? Like, yeah. You don't just like roll into the, the hospital in that condition and immediately get a diagnosis. Cause like they don't, 
it's not like it's not like the flu, you know, like they don't just like stick a thermometer in your mouth. Like, well, you got cancer. You have to have a bunch of like you know, bone marrow biopsy. You've got to have a bunch of like PET scans and CT scans and x-rays and shit. Like it's a whole fucking ordeal. So they can't just draw some blood and, and, and panel it. And no, really? No, it doesn't work okay. that way. You know, I mean, they, they know something's wrong with you, but there, there are so many other, like I'll give you the terrifying example. Like somebody came into the room because my wife and I, or my, my girlfriend at the time, yeah, you know, she she stayed with me the whole freaking, like, like I had to, like, force her to go home at some point. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole. Stuck by your side? It's an amazing human being. Yeah, no doubt. My wife. Um, so, finally, we're, you know, you get to that point after, like, day three, and two or three in the hospital, you're just pissed off. And you're like, I, I need some information. Like, somebody needs to tell me what's going on because this, this is horrible. And they couldn't find it. They didn't know. Yeah. And, like, you know. I'm at a, I'm at a university hospital. So like every third person that comes in is a resident. Yeah. So it was a Birmingham. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. UAB. Yeah. And, uh, so, and it's not like a, it's, it's not a straight down the middle fastball diagnosis, right? It's something no. that they rarely see. Well, so it's like, there's, there's 15 things that it would be before it was exactly, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Exactly. So this resident that we finally, you know, cornered at some horrible hour of the night, you know, was like, well, it's either cancer or AIDS. Really? Yeah. And it's probably not AIDS. Yeah. Well, that might be the only instance in history where somebody was rooting for AIDS. Really? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, so I have heard, uh, I know of three people that um, <clears throat> that have had what you had. You're one of them. Um, Eric Berry is, yeah. is another one, right? It's the yeah. same thing he got, right? Yeah. I don't remember if he and I had the exact same flavor of lymphoma, but he... Yeah, he did he, have he it. Had yeah, it. Yeah. He's played the National Football League, and it it took a toll on his body. Oh, you could tell by yeah. looking at him, yeah. all the chemo and all that. You can actually, if you if you're in a morbidly curious state of mind, and you feel like navigating the unholy waters of Facebook, you can actually go all the way back to the back of my photos, and you can kind of see, you can watch it happen. Really? Oh yeah. It, you it, didn't know it was happening, dude, but you it, can go back and look at photos yeah, and, it, and watch it. I mean, I'm a 200 pound dude. Yeah. I'm six feet tall, 200 pounds. It, it ate me down to about 105, 110 Holy pounds. Holy hell, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. I look like I was dying. So I was. I mean, yeah. you know, you are. Like, yeah. It's your body. You know. I mean, it's it's cancer proliferating, right? Right. So to get that story back on track. Uh, so the process of treating that is it's a very treatable, manageable thing. Um, it has a very low rate of reoccurrence. It usually when it does reoccur, it happens to you later in life, like your you know eighties or whatever. Um, at that point, they almost don't even bother treating it; they just you know yeah. Um, but let it, let it go, right? The and the chemotherapy process is sixteen rounds of chemotherapy, uh, and it's like a three part you know injection. Uh, they put a thing in your chest that's kind of connected like to a your, pick line. It's called a port. Uh, yeah. It's like a little racket ball. That they stick in your chest. It's wired up to your your vein and your neck. I still have weird scars from it, um, and that's just so that they can repeatedly put yeah easy easy way to get drugs on you. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so two of those drugs went in the port. One of them went in your vein. Gotcha. And I did that every other week for thirty two weeks. Shit, man. Uh, makes your hair fall out. Uh, that happened to you? Oh yeah, yeah. I just thought I was gonna get away with the hair loss thing. Uh, I got down to like my second to last treatment. And I got in the shower one day and like 
wash my and like it just Man, all it came, came out. out. Yeah, so uh-huh. I had to call my boss who, you know, did they know what was going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I so through this whole ordeal up even up until now, everybody I've ever worked for has been like massively supportive. That's awesome. Yeah, like I've not the place that I was working at the time was like I still have like they had sent me this like little cigar box full of funny little postcards while I was in the hospital. Like I still keep it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, real supportive. Like, you know, my my job at Patricia Nash, I had another episode there and they were great. Really? Yeah. Like they. So it's something you've kept dealing with even after yeah, chemo and, I, and all that. Yeah. And the thing is, is like I've always I've always worked. Like yeah. I've never like as much as I could, mostly for my own sanity. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like a sadistic thing. It's just like, yo, I'm stuck in this beige room with like daytime television like give me something to do yeah i'm dying yeah like i don't just let me you know if i can't get out of here at least let me be productive so Um, so so why the three cases that i that i know about another one is a a homesteader who's a uh who i follow on youtube who's really interesting dude that i've gotten to know his name's jason Contreras, also hodgkin's lymphoma 30 years old mm -hmm. what's the deal with that how come how come the three the three cases i know about it have all found young guys yeah young young dudes Um, eric berry is an interesting one because it's not it's typically more prevalent in 30 year old caucasian men Um, okay but it's like this is one of those weird things where like it's not hereditary really yeah it doesn't have any kind of heretic link to it um but you know, it happens to people in certain age groups in, in, in more so in certain demographics, you know, uh, and they don't know why they don't know if it's environmental. Right. You know, anybody else from where you grew up that had no. anything similar? No. I mean, I've grown up, you know, in pretty industrial Southern towns, oh, you know, gotcha. so like New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Laurel, Mississippi, you know, Birmingham, Alabama, you know, so those are all, you know, heavy industry towns. Yeah. Uh, so, so, and then think- like, I've also had like, like I worked in photo labs, like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Exposure like, to chemicals and yeah, things I mean, like that. And, you know, I worked at a wolf camera. So like environmental controls there weren't exactly, uh, <laughs> OSHA. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it was like that scene in the Chud movie where all the little things, the mutants are dancing around <laughs> in the toxic waste, you know, that was, so, so where, where did you, like I guess I, I, I want to know how like what effects it's having now. Like, are you done? Are you in remission? No. Or are you well? So the cancer thing is is fine. Yeah. Through the process of being treated, um, I developed two pretty gnarly autoimmune issues. What are those? And I'll I'll say the long words, but for the duration of this conversation, we'll abbreviate them. Yeah. The first one is idiopathic thrombocytopenia, which is what I've kind of had to deal with in the last couple of weeks. And that is a situation where my immune system thinks that I'm sick. Yeah. And it starts attacking the platelets in my blood and the platelets are in your blood or what help you to heal from cuts and bruises. It's what helps your blood clot up when you have a, yeah. And you know, throughout the course of your day, you know, you, you break a lot of capillaries in your skin and things like that. So when that starts to happen to me, I start to have weird bruising. I get like sores in my mouth. I have these little weird sores. So you can feel it coming on. You no, can kind of tell when it's, it's completely, it's completely painless. I feel nothing. Really? Yeah. I get a little bit like exhausted, but I don't actually know something wrong is happening until a, a visual sign starts to, to happen. So gotcha. like I came back from that shoot in Memphis 
and turned my wrist over from having it in the steering wheel position. Yeah. And I had two huge bruises up each arm. From resting on the steering wheel? Yeah. And then really? like, and that I noticed that and I was like, that's a weird place to get bruises. And the next day I woke up and I had a couple more on my chest and my legs in places where like I knew I hadn't had any physical contact. Yeah. And I was like, I have to go to the doctor right now. And what, how did that end up? That ended up with the two weeks in the hospital. Shit. Had to get an infusion. And the drug that they give me for that particular situation um, is actually, we're experiencing a nationwide shortage of it. Oh, so it's not because of the virus or just, no, just cause it's, it's hard to get, it's hard gotcha. to manu manufacture. Um, and so on that particular day, somebody else was supposed to have a dose, but because I was in a more critical state, they bumped that person and gave it to me. Yeah. So that's kind of the state of that situation. Man, yeah. Really, yeah. really yeah, I mean, that's, supply. That's a real hard thing to think about. Yeah, um, it is. So what was the other, you said you had two yeah. autoimmune so things. The, the other one is autoimmune hemolytic anemia, <clears throat> autoimmune hemolytic anemia. AHA. So the one was, iron deficiency? No, that's uh, something different where now my immune system is killing my red blood cells, which deliver the oxygen to all the other parts of your body, including your brain. So you have to deal with these in an ongoing sense. It's weird because it's it's a think of it like of an asthma attack. Okay. Where like it just it flares up. Something something triggers my immune system and it thinks He's got a virus that's attacking his red blood cells. Let me just knock out, you know, let me start killing red blood cells till it goes away. Yeah. The problem is there's nothing there and it just keeps going and going and going and going and going until it just, it kills me. Or I go to the doctor and they pump me full of drugs to, you know, it's like, I was telling somebody, it's like, um, you ever see those planes fly over a forest fire in California that like yeah. they dump like a meaningless amount of water on this yeah. huge fire? That's yeah. a lot what it's like. Really? Yeah. It's like they... You know, I'll go in the hospital and they'll give me steroids and, you know, immune suppressants. And they'll do that for like a week. And I'll just lay there and just get shot up with stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. a drop of water when you're already soaking wet. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I've had, you know, the honestly, I think the the AHA was was the worst because. Is I that was, the first one or the second, second one? The second, the second one. The red, the red blood cell condition. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that kind of like happens slowly where like. I would park my car on the bridge on Jackson Avenue and walk to the office and like, I'd get to the office and be like, damn, kind of winded. That's weird. Again, dude that hikes all at like, yeah. you know, in good shape, good shape. Yeah. Uh, and then, then it would get to the point where like, I would get up to go to lunch. I would walk down to the bottom of the stairs and I'd be completely out of breath. Shit, like, man. This is messed up. And you're 32 years old. At this point, I'm, uh, yeah, I'd have been like 33 or 34 yeah. when we moved here. So how long did it take you to get through the lymphoma treatments? Um, that took about a year. A year? About a full year. And then when did other things pop up? So we had, um, had a year cancer. And then we had like a full year of just like, things are great. Like, you know, and that, that year immediately after having treatment, like, you know, you're still monitored really closely. You know, they take your, you get PET scans and stuff like that. Um, but you, you know, you, you start to get your life back. You start putting your body back together. You know, you start like having a normal appetite, being able to exercise yeah. and like, you know, being able to work out and take care of yourself and do yard work and do all the other basic stuff that you just like flat out had to put on hold. Sure. Like when you have cancer, everything else in your life gets put on hold. Sure. You, you're not, you're not going drinking with your buddies. Right. 
you're not you're not mowing the yard you're not doing you're anything not doing anything except you're, taking care of yourself you are you have one job and that's not die you yeah know, that's that's it so you know yeah you get when you get through it you're like oh yeah you know like Superman. somebody gives you the all clear it's like you know what you know go to Bailey's and have a pint. You're like, woohoo, yeah. you know. Well, do you feel like you're you're in a bonus round or do you feel like you're you've got some kind of um renewed purpose since all this happened or, or, um, or is it just did you just go back to the same dude you were before? A little of both. Really? Yeah, so like I don't I don't think that I, you know, I've never wanted to be somebody's like inspiration story, you yeah. know, like I'm not going to, you know, there yeah, I've, no, I've known you for a while, and I've never heard you really talk about this. It's no. not something. It's not no. like your identity. No, you know what I, I mean, no. Like, and I, I don't, I don't do like the cancer walks. I don't, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, I'll donate time or money or whatever. But like, I don't really, I don't want the attention. Yeah, I don't want that. Sure. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be the flags. The you know standard yeah, the bearer. Poster child. Yeah, I don't want to be the standard bearer for that movement. Yeah. Um, because it was horrible. Um, but you come out of that with a real like grown up like sense of your mortality and like what yeah. you need to do between here and, you know, the end of time, you know, like you have a real good, cause you know what it feels like to be dying and you, yeah. you, you get a whole year to think about like, I can see that this, like this might kill me, you know, I'm only 30. Like this, you know, like, did you reckon with some of that stuff? Did you think like, Hey, this might yeah, be somebody it. walked in a room and told me you either have cancer, or you have AIDS. Like, and from that moment on, like, I never stopped thinking about it. Really, there's not a day that goes by where it's not in my head somewhere. And with the two other conditions mounted on top of it, you know, uh, I think about I think about what I eat at parties. Really? Oh yeah. If I go to like a like a you know football season is the worst for me because like I get invited to parties and stuff and like everybody's got food laid out. Yeah. Uh, if I like see one of these like big you know, huge spreads of food and everybody's got their hands in it. I'm like, I can't, I just can't. And sometimes it's rude. Like, you know, it's like, well, have you eaten? And I'm like, either I lie to him. I'm like, Oh yeah, that shit is delicious. You know, like, but you know, sometimes I'm just like, nah, you know, I can't like, I, you know, yeah. Sometimes I'll take, I'll take a person one-on-one off to the side and get real with them about it. Mm -hmm. But I don't really like, but yeah, like I, I, you know, anytime I see somebody like, wishing a day would go by faster i get mad at them yeah i bet you're wishing your life away yeah you know like they're what i in an office environment with somebody's like god i wish today would end i'm like do you <laughs> do you really like if you were you know i also think about like uh so i like i live in like a real suburban yeah kind of neighborhood you yeah know, and like a lot of like perfect grass people yeah you know picket fences and all that yeah and like i want to tell those people like bro when you're 75 and you're laying in bed, you know, like you're a day or two from your last gasp. You're going to wish you had a Saturday that you didn't spend walking around in a fucking circle, pushing a lawnmower yeah. <laughs> on your perfectly green lawn, absolutely spreading fertilizer. Like you were like, it was pixie dust. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. It's perspective, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Don't, don't waste all your life trying to like have a, you know, perfectly painted, you know, white clabbered house like go out and have a life like, live yeah, a little bit because you're not sure so you're kind of you've always been doing the hand sanitizer thing <laughs> i was doing that shit before it was cool you know what i mean i'm like like i like the kid in the record store like you might have heard of this shit it's called hand sanitizer <laughs> all the cool kids are doing it like, in the future you'll be listening to this you know yeah it's really cool now yeah 
So are you, uh, are you, are you, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how people are able to kind of s- s- keep the norm throughout all this, um, and keep, keep creative and keep yeah. working on well, stuff. So I think the first thing, you know, creative people tend to, in optimistic times, they tend to be very optimistic and yeah. happy. Like when we're having a, uh, an economic boom time and everybody's got work, like things are great. You know, there's always work and it's always coming down the pipe. But then when things get bad, they go like, Oh, the world is ending. And you're like, all I have is, you know, Facebook. And why are people still going grocery shopping? Motherfucker staying there. You know, like, and I think that, um, the first thing you have to understand in this situation is that in four years, something else bad is going to happen. Yeah. I, I so I'm not I, going to go away. <laughs> I screen grabbed. I, I want to look at this, but you did, you had an Instagram story the other day that said in 2001, nine 11 happened. We were all mm-hmm. going to die. Everything was awful. We lived in 2005. Katrina happened. I live in new, lived in new Orleans. We were all going to die. Everything was awful. I lived through it. Yeah. I got cancer. I lived through it. You know, yeah. you went through. So you, if you, and, and like, that's not even like, that's just, if you scratch through that, right? Like I've probably been through, I mean, I grew up in Louisiana and you know, I was born in 79. So like multiple hurricanes have come ashore, yeah. you know, tornadoes, right. uh, you know, and then yes, September 11th, the stock market crash of 08, you know, all of that stuff. Like, I, I mean, I, I vividly remember like where I was working during September 11th. And like, we really thought like, you know, two days later, we're all going to get carpet bombed. Yeah. You know, like it's coming, like it's a war, you know? I remember being Um, here. It's like, we're real close to Y12. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Right. Great target. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, (laughs) everybody thought that like their Their backyard backyard was was a target. Yes. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm sure your grandparents thought that when Pearl Harbor happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, they had all kinds of austerity measures, you know, right after Pearl Harbor got sure. bombed, you know I mean? People are having a whole cities are going to turn the lights off at, you know, no electricity, no lights, you know, but do you know about the internment camps? Yeah. The, oh yeah. All, all that? that stuff. Yeah. Like, terrible shit. It took all the Japanese Americans yeah. to, to protect them and, and yeah. moved them, moved them, imprisoned them. Yeah. And imprisoned them, yeah. Imprisoned yeah. them. Let's, to, to, let's, pr- to protect them. Let's use the word that yeah. is justified for that. Um, but again, austerity so, measures. Yeah. So, you know, again, every, you know, four or five years, you know, you're going to find, you're going to think you found the bottom. It seems like it, it's about on that pace, yeah. right? And, like and it's been like years. that. If you go, if you really want to just like fuck your head up, get yeah. on Wikipedia and like try to look at every calamitous thing that has happened in the timeline of your life. And then if you really want to fuck your noodle up, add your parents' timeline onto that and think about all the shit they lived through so you can get some perspective as to why they don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously, they're yeah. like, they lived through Vietnam, you know, yeah. like my parents did, yeah. you know, like all the terrible stuff, you know. Um, so that's the first thing that you've got to remember in the whole stand creative process. Like this is part of, of being alive. So, you know. Yeah. So, this, so, this time. Yeah. This timing. Yeah. It's, it's you know. Uh, some human had to survive a stampede of Tyrannosaurus Rexes because we were all on the earth at the same time. We know that. <laughs> Everybody loves a creationist joke. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, you know, Bill Bryson had this like it's the intro to uh, his book. Uh, it's like a, uh, 
a brief history of nearly everything. Yeah. I'm sorry I screwed the title of that up. But he's like, you know, think about all the stuff that human beings had to live through just for you to get here. Sure. All the plagues, the, you know, global warming, yeah. all that shit. So are you not are you not worried right now? Oh, I'm terrified. Are you? I'm allowed to be scared, but what? I'm also like, I'm not like I'm not gonna like start tipping the canoe just because the water got a little choppy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm not ready to abandon ship yet. Yeah, but you have a, as good of a reason as anybody to be hmm. scared too, with like compromised sure. immunity and sure. all that. Here's yeah. the thing: is like we know what we have to do, right? Like the CDC has given us a set of instructions. Yeah, and uh, your doctor and health department officials have told you like, here's what's coming. Um, do those things. It's just like any other thing in life, like follow the instructions. Right. You know what I mean? Like do the things that you know that you need to do to protect mm-hmm. yourself, your home and your family. Yeah. Um, Hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And hopefully up to this point, you have done the the pre-preparation, you know, financially and, you know, yep. and whatnot yep. to, you know, secure your home yep. and your, your, you know, your savings in your life and whatnot. And if you haven't, you're going to be fine anyway. Like yep. I, you know. Because half the country hasn't. Sure. So, so there's there's going to be things in place to take care of this. When people. I got sick and I wasn't married, I wasn't on my wife's insurance. You know, I had to, I had to flush out. I mean, I cashed out a 401k. I sold all my stocks. I mean, everything. Every when Kelly married me, I was penniless. To, amazing. Just to pay off medical bills. What a woman. You know. But I mean, you know, well, she saw it. Like, you know, she saw me writing those checks. You know, for yeah. four or five thousand dollars a shot. You know. Yeah. And. You know, you don't. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Right. It's just money. You can make money. Yeah. What you can't make is time. Right. You can't make health. You can't make relationships no. better that are broken no. <laughs> sometimes. You know, that th- your singular non-renewable resource in life is time. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that you can give somebody that you can't fucking get back. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. You know, and if somebody's not paying you enough for it or is wasting it, or you're wasting it, it's gone. Yeah. You don't, you can't claw it back. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't make yourself 18 again, you know? And that's honestly the thing, you know, it's like the guy mowing his lawn, you know, like, could you be doing something with your kids? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or just family? better, yeah. like better, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. Um, why do we have big lawns? Stop that. Like if you don't, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to take care of it or can't take care of oh, it. Oh, my entire front lawn is a fucking ornament. It's stupid. <laughs> like I don't, and I just like I'm just like weeds. Let them <laughs> proliferate. I don't give a shit. Um, so that so that's phase one of staying creative in in a disaster is knowing that like this is a temporary thing, right? This isn't going to be forever. We don't know how temporary, but we know that this is not going to be the yeah, norm. This is not going to. This is going to be a small blip in the long arc of humanity. Yes, you know. Yeah, it will go away. Yes, your life won't be the same. Who gives a shit? Right. Take embrace the change that's right. coming, and learn how to like, you know, so I, the the people that have already started to monopolize like the change in the world. Like, God, I wish I had like stock at a hand sanitizer company because those guys are like, you know, in <laughs> Zoom. Oh Jesus! <laughs> and and if if okay, my kid zoomed her teacher today. I don't know when <laughs> this is gonna go live, but if we're still in quarantine when this goes yeah, to print, we will be. Please, for the love of Christ, stop taking pictures of your Zoom meeting. I know you're bored. I know you're on a conference call. We're all on conference calls. Stop it. Stop it. It's just, I get it. WF, 
H day 97. I get it. There are other things. You, you're doing more creative stuff than zooming, I promise. Yes. And if you're not, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk. We're What's talk. step two? Step, of, step of two. Keeping it together. Step two is to like, don't, don't fall victim to your gluttony. Okay. You know what, what do you I mean by that? Like you're the, like you live in an age where you can stick yourself in a corner and let someone else or some other thing feed your brain all day long. Yeah. And not do anything for yourself. Yeah. You can plant your ass yeah. on a couch and you could watch every- Tiger King. Yeah. I haven't even turned it on yet. Well, first of all, like I listened to the podcast. Father Guido listen- Sarducci with his like spread, like <laughs> hairy chest ch- on the like cover of that. I was like, nah, man, I'm not watching that shit. But then everybody like blew up. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, this is and the descriptions of what it like. Some of my buddies like descriptions of it are hysterical. Have you listened to the podcast? No, the uh, dude, it's no. it's it's outrageous. You but have, it, you have you and Chuck Klosterman have the only two podcasts I listen to. Oh, thank you. Which Appreciate is high praise. Yeah, thank you. You're actually a little less long-winded than he is too. Which well, is nice. <laughs> so so don't don't fall prey to uh, just taking in all your vices all day long. Here's the thing. You, so you, the government and your employer have told you to seal yourself in your home. Right. Sweet. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. It sounds great. Everything outside right now is scary, right? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of broken shit in your house. You probably need to fix. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh. And, like, if you're a creative person, odds are good, like, all your stuff's in your house. Like, you've got, you know, my wife has been drawing like crazy. She's been working in her garden like crazy. Yeah, all your creative outlets are should be right around where you are. I mean, uh, 99.9% of the time, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm very fortunate. I have a studio where I can just go run to that's just me. It's a big white room with me in it. Yeah. Um, where I can make piss videos with beer cans, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> Which are great, by the way. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to see a Guinness can piss on a bar Irish? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so like do that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like, or if let's say you're, you know, in a creative discipline like you and I are. Yeah. There's still a lot left to learn. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a lot of other, like, I've been like, this is going to sound stupid, but like, I've been, I've got one of those nucleus M follow. Fo- I've been like teaching yeah. myself to pull focus. Yes. Just like, why the hell not? Like, yes. I don't, you know? Yeah. I've been teaching myself stop motion. I started doing that when I was stuck in the hospital, you know? So like I learned how to do that in three weeks, you know? Cause I got nothing but time. Like, yeah. you know, well, that's where people are at right now. You They've know, got time. Yeah. And, and, and now is the time that, to, to think about all that shit that you don't have time for. Oh, right. I'd love to do that. I don't have time for it. And, where else are you going to get a month of basically uninterrupted time? Right. You know, we're like, you know, and it's great. You know, the, the, the shit happening outside of my home is terrifying. And, but like in my little safe spot. Yeah. Solace. You know, I have, I can, you know, learn how to do new stuff in Illustrator or Photoshop. You know, you can learn how to edit videos or my wife's been doing all these crazy, like, um, meditative drawing stuff that's been amazing like yeah. she gets up she draws every day yeah and it's just like she's just like drawing her day you know so it's like it's like funny she draw, so meditative drawing what is that you draw it before you do it is no that like, you like draw so where you she be? gets up every morning and she draws th- just random things from her previous day 
Oh, gotcha. So it's, it's almost that, like a, a, a journal. Yeah. A, a, yeah. An yeah. Illust- illustrated journal. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so you get to think about, you know, and, and visualize things that you've already done. And, yeah. And, and because just, she's not in a hurry to get dressed and run to work, she's, I mean, she's still having to work from home, but like she's got this hour and a half every morning all of a sudden, you know, that she would have spent like prepping to run to the office. Yes. Like, that she has taken back to herself. Yes. I, I found that this morning. I mean, I somewhat, you know, poorly set up my life to where I spend an hour in the car every day driving to and from my office, right? Yeah. I rolled my ass out of bed, brushed my teeth, and sat down, and I was productive in three minutes while the coffee, coffee was brewing yeah. this morning. I was working, and yeah. I didn't quit till 7 o'clock tonight, you know? I mean, and I just got to get after it and got to do it where, I, you know, there's not a— not, Some not, of that is nice where it's like if you are—because, right, like if you're going to work— you know, and or you have to work, right? Like you can just get yeah. up and like edit or whatever. Yeah. Um, by the time you get back to the office, you will not only have developed a better habit for being able to work away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first couple of times I got sick and I had to like really, really learn how to work from home. It gave me this ability to work from anywhere, you know, in a really productive way. Gotcha. Like you can drop me off in a hotel room with the shittiest internet on the planet and I, I can figure it out. Like right. I can, you know what I mean? I can still be very productive yeah. in a low, you know, connected, you know, uncomfortable place. Yeah. Like a hospital room. Yeah. You know? And I've sort of equipped myself to be able to do that. Um, so well, that's, that's interesting. It feels like you were very much conditioned for this time or you've, you've, Oh yeah. You've just, well, I've done it. Like yeah. I mean, I, I done the you know, lot. like when I was like learning. So, Dragon Frame is a piece of stop motion animation yeah. software I've been using. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing that with an IV in my arm. Really? I make them stick it in my forearm, so <laughs> I can still use the keyboard. <laughs> Did you I'm, say that? Yeah. Were you like, can you put it absolutely. here so I can still use? My the wife will absolutely verify that anytime. So I'm in the emergency room. The guy comes in. He's like, "Oh, we can't find a vein." I'm like, "I want it right there." And they sent this really nice dude. You, I can't say enough nice things about UT. Uh, they said this the really, hospital. They were like, yeah, yeah, just in general. Um, they said they were like, we, you know, we got a guy. He's like, he's like the wizard at this. So they, you know, I had to sit there. They sent the best IV guy to you. He was great. He like, he was so patient. Needle in a haystack. Yeah, he like, like, he like strapped my elbow up and was like just sitting there thumping it. He's like, it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> we're gonna get you on this dragon frame, son. It happened. Gonna- <laughs> he was like, I just want you to be comfortable. I was like, good, because I, I know I'm not gonna leave here for a while, yeah. and this is gonna be in my arm for. I mean, when they stick it in there, it's in there for a week. Really? Yeah, they don't change it out for. Better a week. be good. Yeah. So like, I wanted to be able to. Because there have been a couple instances where they stuck it in the back of my hand and I'm yeah. just like absolutely immobilized. Yeah, that sucks. You know? yeah. And like, I don't watch TV when I'm in there. I never turn the TV on in an hospital room. That's another, that's another, that's exactly what you said, the gluttony thing. Yeah. Like you start You're feeding turning the on rat. that box. Yeah. Don't exactly. feed, don't feed the rat. Yeah. Every, Dude. every inside of every human is a little rat that wants to eat whatever it wants to eat and it wants to watch whatever it wants to watch. Yeah. And it's the worst part of you. Don't feed it. Right. I feel you there. You know, don't feed the rat, man. Like that's, you know, that's how you get hooked on drugs. Yes. That's how you, yeah. you know, I mean, that's how you end up with problems in life. Yeah. That's how you end up, you know, being out of shape or whatever. Sure. You know. What, uh, is there a third part to the, to, to your, uh, yeah. Plan? I mean, the, the third part is, is like to, you know, when you're in this confined 
kind of situation. And this, I mean, I remember this happening after nine 11 where it was just like everybody like didn't, was like f- afraid to go do stuff. Yeah. You know, um, cause your backyard was going to get blown up. Yeah. Don't like, don't like, don't forget about the people that are still around you. Like you can still have, mean? well, like you still have meaningful creative connections with people while you're quarantined. I think zoom, like, you know, in nine yeah. 11, like we didn't really have the ability to connect. Right. That way. Yeah. That way. Yeah. And like, I haven't, I haven't done like one of the zoom happy hours yet, but like, that looks like a great, like, is that where people, uh, zoom like five and o'clock. Drink? Yeah, yeah. They just, but I mean, I think it's a great, like use of that tool to like, you know, what are you working on? What are you doing? Like yeah. if you're, as long as you're not doing it with your, your work people, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, do it. You, Cause do that's, it that's going to, that's going to turn into work. Yeah. You know, uh, but if you're sharing stuff with your friends, you know, something else that's kind of cool is, is, uh, is I think that people are uh, necessity being the mother of invention. People are starting to learn a little bit more about, uh, about these ways that they can stay in touch with people. Yeah. These, these tools are getting sharpened and honed mm-hmm. zoom, for instance, what are these uh, zooms? Did you know you can <laughs> Facebook uh, or sorry, FaceTime uh, with multiple people. Yeah. So much like zoom. Um, there's a couple more slack. Uh, yeah. you can, you can call and video chat people from slack. These are all things that have always existed yeah. or existed at least in, you know, recent history that I've never dealt with, but because now I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing at straws to kind of figure out ways to, yeah, to connect to, and to connect with people. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm learning about all these kinds of things that I think are going to really flourish and bloom and be a real part of our lives when we, when we leave this crisis yeah. that we're in. And, and I also think that it's going to take uh, businesses are going to take a long look at overhead and brick and mortar and all that after this too, and say, you know what? We were pretty productive um, without yeah. having, without having $5,000 worth of rent. I think a lot of the changes that you're going to see out of this situation are going to be process oriented. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of the, I can see that. A lot of the stuff you saw after 9-11 was like security kind of like behavior modification kind of stuff. Yeah. A lot of this is just going to be like, like my experience at Lowe's the other day, like I, they have this thing set up in the parking lot where you can just like pull up and they'll just put this the shit in your car. Yeah. I was like, shit, I might not ever go inside Lowe's ever again. Exactly. I talked to Zach Roskop about this it on was the incredible. podcast. About beer delivery. Yeah. And I've been hammering him every day. I'm like, how's that yeah, beer how's delivery coming? It's like, yes, this should, this should be a thing. And, and it's, and it's because it has to be now that people are doing these, these things that they probably should have done already. And I hope some of them stick around. Yeah. Like your Lowe's thing that you're talking yeah, about. I, I, you know, it's probably going to put, you know, the minute that Lowe's figures out they can send some, you know, automaton out, you know, like a robot thing to like load my car. Like there's not going to be a humans working in there. Yeah. But here's the thing. If the entire planet has no job, won't that be fun? <laughs> yes. It sounds right? like a blast. I mean, it sounds like a blast. <laughs> like, you know, you just wake up and like a robot, like, you know, makes your coffee and like, you know. It's Rosie from wire- the Jetsons. Yeah. Right? It just wires your wife's garage shed office for you. Like you don't have to do any of that shit, you know. I you think, know we'd be bored as hell. Well, here's the thing is like humans are, we're like ants. Like we're made to build stuff. Oh, like, yeah. we, we just do it. Like, well, obviously look at the yeah. shit we've, we, you know, oh, yeah. just because that's we got why this. there's a CVS everywhere, buddy. We can't stop. <laughs> we you know, can't. it's a disease. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm making a mess in your studio. Nah, dude, you can't make a mess in here. Have you seen this place? Um, y'all so, can't, y'all can't see it, but Ben has this palatial 
studio it's i mean there's i mean it's incredible can y'all hear that yeah delicious pretentious beer yeah. so it uh, sounds like grandpa taking a leak of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> like, your 88 year old grandpa eh? <laughs> over here <laughs> oh thank you yeah man yeah um i i think it's you know we've been able to um with our stuff we with our film and television stuff we have just we've honed some processes we've moved quicker we've uh kind of cut out a lot of the 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 perils that an open office space can mm. can kind of bring in you know i mean i hate to say it but if i've got a chance to stop by and chat with my buddy for 10 minutes that might derail me for two hours oh yeah you know oh you especially yeah <laughs> me more than anybody that's so that's one of like my like favorite things about uh having left my full-time gig to go be self-employed was when i had people that reported to me and I had a full-time job. Like I would get to my desk. I would, I was usually the first person in the office just so that I could like, I noticed that because I used to live right next to your office yeah. and your fucking truck was there first thing in the yeah. morning and last thing in the yep. afternoon. It was there when I left to go to the office. Yeah. It was there when I came home. The reason for that was that, you know, those were the only two spaces in my day where you could get shit done where I could have my blinders on yeah. and I didn't have anybody else's like, needs or you know what i mean like i literally at that job i would have somebody show up at my desk crying to me about some shit you know or you know they'd want to talk to me about my weekend and it was just constant yeah there were meetings yeah you know just the endless sea of meetings where like yeah. I, I have all this stuff i have to do but i have all these other things i have to do to be a part of to like give my opinions and like i want to be a part of both of those things because they're important right but like haha and then, you know, through that whole process, there's no room for me to, like, develop myself as a professional, right? Like, Right. You're just putting out fires all day long, and then you're doing your job after that. If all I'm doing every day is, you know, taking a widget and moving the widget from point A to point B mm -hmm. and having other meetings about moving the widget more effectively from point A to point B, right? I don't ever get a chance to, like... You refine know, your process for moving the or, widget or like invent another widget yeah you know or like feel you expand the widget production yeah. you know what i mean like I, there's no so the self-employment has been good because while i make less money like they're i can teach myself stop motion you know yeah. i mean like exactly. I, i'm learning all of this stuff that i'm finding that like boy i should have done that sooner yeah you know quitting your quitting your full-time gig at 40 is well, I never hear anybody who regrets that. You know? Well, I did it in, you know, there's two ways to do it, right? Like a lot of people go out and they, they do it in their 20s when they're young and they don't have any responsibility and, you know, but they don't have any. Yeah, the, it, it's an easy time to do it. You don't have kids. You don't have a family. Yeah. You also don't have any experience. You don't have any money. Yeah. You don't, you don't need security. Anything. You know, you don't have the ability to like scale up. Right. No one will loan you any money. Yeah. You know, I mean, look how fast I've ramped up. Yeah. You know, like I can in five, six years, I can ramp up strong. Cause you know, I'm an old dude. I got good credit and you know, all that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also some experience and like some connections. Like I know people for and sure. That's a big, a big part of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's I, working from home and being able to have your employees work remotely, I think is, is huge. And I, I think some of it for like 
because like I've never worked for a big corporation. It's always been like medium sized businesses, yeah. you know, like 50 to 100 people. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the people in charge, it's a trust thing. They want to, they, they have got so much of their capital, and their money wrapped up in this business. They want to come to work and they want to see you there. Yeah. And they want to see you working and they want to know that it's happening. You yeah. Know. That's a, that's a thing. I mean, if you, if, if a lot of your money is wrapped up in human capital and human resources, then you want to make sure that those resources are working for you. And if you can't see them with your eyeballs, then you're not certain that those people are, you know, returning money back to the company. Yeah. Right. I mean, how, how to, how do we know that, you know, Jeff isn't off fishing right now if, if he's not right. at the office, you know, if well, he's working from home? I'll take you one better is that you and I are both intelligent, you know, wildly productive people. So, you know, what if Ben can get his job done in four hours and he's just fucking off? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. if, what it, cause, yeah, cause I know that I'm like that. Like, I yeah. can, I can accomplish, especially when left to my own devices, I can, knock out an insane amount of work in a short period of time. Yes, me too. And then I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ramped up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do a thing. Well, and, and that's the thing too is, is yes. Your I, boss I, wants that time. Right. I'm paying you that. for eight hours. You don't get to, just cause you can cram eight hours of work in a four. doesn't mean you get to go fly fishing. But I'll tell you what, it takes me eight hours to do it at the office when mm-hmm. I'm distracted. I've got people walking in and out of my office yeah. all day asking me about things. Yeah. It takes me three hours to do it yeah. if I'm left alone to put blinders on and go. And that's why in the future, Zoom will be your overlord. Yeah, that's because fine. Because your boss will be able to turn it on and be like, why aren't you at your desk? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some why of those backgrounds you? you can put on. Yeah, I might just. Dude, you ain't. With Zoom, like, you ain't fucking with the video, guys. Like, we're just going to, like, green screen ourselves and be like that. That scene in Speed where they just played the shit on a loop. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Who's that wildcat behind <laughs> the, the wildcat? <laughs> that's what we'll call. That's what we'll call the software that does it. Yes, exactly. Know, the wildcat virus. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then a little, uh, and then a little bit of uh, just a little bit of AI, just to, uh, or yeah, a little bit of AI just to uh, respond you a little like bit near like my a, lips. Like if somebody yeah, asked me something. Yeah, like a millisecond of glitch. <laughs> yeah. Just like a millisecond of just like. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just to let people know. <laughs> But then I'll just, you know, we'll we'll just do a little bit of lip move like, uh, oh, sorry, uh, 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 my connection's bad. Hold yeah. on one second. Yeah. And then it'll ping my <laughs> cell phone and be like, hey, somebody on Zoom wants you. You better you better get off the couch. Yeah, that's, what I, that's crazy. Like, yeah. You know, people, people when left to their own devices, I, I believe this too, like they're mostly honest. People are mostly. I think so too. People are mostly good. And I think that. Anybody that is in the right job for them cares about it. Agreed. Now, if there are a lot of people out there that are in a job that they hate and it's the wrong job for them and they're just doing it for the paycheck and they really need to be encouraged to to do something else. Yeah. But like if you're in the right job, you know, for you, even if it's not like where you see yourself forever, but if you're in the right job and you care about it, you will do the best that you can. I think I, that's I be- right. I believe that. I really do. I think that's right. And I think that's probably, you know, a, a little something that employers have to lean on a little bit is a little bit of faith that, that you know, people wouldn't be here doing doing this if they didn't really love it. And I think it's easy to tell when people don't. I think it's easy to tell when when somebody's in the wrong fit. Yeah. Somebody's scooting scooting out of the way when the, oh, when it's time to ring the when, bell. In, a, in what we do, it's easy to tell when somebody doesn't care. Yeah. 
It is. On a a photo shoot or a video set. Like, fuck, man. 16 hour days, 18 hour days. It's like. If you ain't in it, like, you'll find out real quick. Yeah. It's not hard to tell in those kinds of environments. So, what's. uh, What. Before, you know, before you had to go home and, and, and stay home and work from home, what was your. What were you working on the most of? Or what was the most recent? Lately? Yeah. So I, cause you're a photographer, right? Yeah. I do a little tiny bit of like video stuff, but it's, yeah. it's really, it's not like, it's very like low budget kind of stuff. Um, I, and I, you know, I have a background as a designer. Right. So, like, so, I, so you're kind of a, a graphic designer turned photographer turned whatever it's the, hell the other you way need. around. Really? Photographer. Yeah, so I kind of started design. out like I wanted to be like a concert photographer. You know, oh, like yeah. that was the, I wanted to shoot the punk shows and yeah. ma- maximum rock and roll kind of stuff. You're a punk guy. Yeah. <laughs> And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems like everybody your age will have, like punk rock was the shit, man. Man, like the nineties. The nineties were the time. Really, they were amazing. Was that new wave or no? Was that I mean, it was kind of like grunge, but like a yeah. lot of the grunge stuff. I hate that term grunge too, but like yeah. a lot of that nineties like rock and roll. Like they were very ins- like inspired by like the Meat Puppets and like you know, skinny puppy and like a bunch of those like old, like older, like genre of punk. That's an older bands. genre. Yeah. Punk, yeah. You know, the, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Iggy pop kind of stuff. You yeah. Know, like, um, like the clash and all that. Yeah. 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 I mean, all that was good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you always listen to the bands that like your favorite bands listen to. Right. Like, yeah. You know, like yeah, if yeah. you, if you, it's hard to imagine, you know, a fish head not liking the Grateful Dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. So you. Yeah. You're kind of grandfathered in up uh, your. Yeah. You're upline. If somebody is, turned is it on, Dead. you'd be like, oh, it's cool. You know, like. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I listened to a lot of that. So that's kind of like I used to go to like these like really ratty ass punk bars and shoot like, you know, Tri-X, like gritty black and white. And I worked in a photo lab. Yeah. So I had two jobs at the same time when I was in school. Kind of. Where'd just, you go to school? UAB. Okay. Yeah, I have the rare uh, honor of having been a student, a patient, and an employee at that university. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of sadistic. <laughs> it is, but you know, well, you know, whatever. Well rounded. Uh, and I love that city. Um, Birmingham has a lot of warts, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a rough. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I like. Mean. I really like rough places. Like Knoxville's too easy for me. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. not not ruffling any feathers or what? Oh like, man, there's not enough gunshots. There's not enough people like trying to like jack you outside the, of your car. Well, you lived in New Orleans too, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that Baton Rouge? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that South Louisiana, is, you know, port cities, man, they're tough. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you up, man. <laughs> people ain't fucking with you in New Orleans. Really? And there's like, yeah, and like I, I, what I love about Knoxville is also part of kind of what I miss the most about that part of South Louisiana, like. Everybody here is so friendly. This is the friendliest place I've ever lived in my entire life. Yeah, I, but it's a different kind of friendly. It's, it's like, see you later, asshole. No, it's not. Like the first time we moved, when we first moved here, we went to like a Dunkin' Donuts and it was like all staffed by like college kids. And it was yeah. just like, everybody was so happy. And like, it was like freaking 4.30 in the morning. And everybody's like, hey, how's it going? Welcome to Dunkin' Donuts. Whereas if you had done that in Birmingham and you pull up at 4.30 in the morning, you get, welcome to Dunkin' Donuts. What do you want? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. You get somebody like mumbling, and then like you get to the window, and there'd be like it'd be like the prison cafeteria, it'd be like, "Take your shit." 
<laughs> see, I feel like the way it is here, it's like you roll up, they're like, welcome to Dunkin' Donuts. Nice to see you. What would you like? And then you order it and they're like, that motherfucker just ordered. No, no, no. You know? Well, that's, I mean, that's the service industry, man. Like, I, have you ever had like service industry job? Have you ever like. like yeah, wait, absolutely. Yeah. I waited tables. Yeah. And, yeah you totally trash talked like. I mean, yeah. come on. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. You put the smile on and then you, and then you, oh. what the hell? I can't tell you how many morbidly obese people I made coffee for when I was in my twenties. Really? Yeah, you know, like a they want like a double brevet with like five pumps of Ghirardelli chocolate and like extra whipped cream. And I'd be like, Here you go, that'll be ninety five dollars. And then they leave. I'd be like, Jesus Christ! Did you, you really put skim did milk that? in that? Put some skim milk in there next time. Uh, I, I've, I, Save I, a life. Yeah. <laughs> So you think Knoxville's too easy then? It's you, easy. Yeah, really. But I, I drove through Mechanicsville and I remember I remember distinctly telling somebody that I would like drive through Mechanicsville because it was a little quicker to get to my office. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God. Mechanicsville? It's so dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, you're out of your rat ass mind. That's the safest fucking like they're like, isn't that where there's like subsidized housing? I'm like, isn't have you seen I would live in those houses. They're nice. <laughs> The remodeled Victorian house. Yeah, I was like, that's substance. <laughs> shit, sign me up. It's like, Kelly, quit your job. Like, shit. We could live downtown. We could, we could live five minutes from fucking. I mean, those are, those are the same houses that they have in Old North Knox. Yes. Damn near. Yes. And they are. They're the same, like, radius. Like, yes. I, I always thought Mechanicsville was going to pop up because it's so. Why hasn't it? I, I don't know, but it is. Um, as close to downtown as anything. The houses are great. The houses are awesome. They're great. There's it's, a couple of like little shotguns. Yes. Are, I love those. Yes. And and you're, yeah, you're super close to, you know, you I like it. downtown. You know what? I like it. Just don't. I do too. Don't mess it up. Yeah. And that's what, that's what'll happen is it'll get messed up. Yeah. If anybody, if anybody. Those don't, those don't need much. to be $400,000 houses. That's true. And that's, that's what'll happen. Yeah. Five to fourth and Gill. Nah. Yeah. Don't want it. Don't yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. So like Knoxville's, I love it here. Um, How long have you lived here? Uh, I guess it's been like seven or eight years now. Yeah. So you, you, did you grow up in, grow up in Baton Rouge or? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. so I was born in New Orleans and my parents moved us. I don't even remember when to Baton Rouge as a, as a younger person. Uh, and then when I was a junior in high school, my dad got transferred to Laurel, Mississippi. Yeah. Where they shoot HGTV hometown. Yeah, I know. I've uh, got a. I've got a. I know a guy who lives down there yeah. right now. He loves it. Does he? Yeah, I he hate does. It, man, really, man. You go someplace like you go from a city as large as Baton Rouge, New Orleans. That's as vibrant as you know. Louisiana has a very like distinct cultural experience. You know, right. There's Mardi Gras and there's music and there's food. To like Mississippi, where it's like golf and deer hunting. Yeah, and it's just kind of like wah, wah, wah. yeah. yeah. It's very like segregated too, right? I oh mean, my gosh. even like Jim. I mean, it's Jim Crow style. I don't. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say how I feel about the state of Mississippi's race relations on tape, but yeah, let's just say that it I could have, be better. I have a low opinion of life in the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not move back. Yeah. It is the one state in the union that you. I don't think you could pay me to move there. Really. Yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a dollar number that I'd it's, like. If you it were like, still seems a bit backwards. Yeah, what, and, what they've got and going for on no there. reason, and parts of Alabama too. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. You know, yeah, and you know, I haven't lived in Tennessee long enough to really like 
start hurling judgment at it because I live in this little. It's a little better, it seems like. I mean, that stuff still exists, man, which sucks. But yeah, it's still Tennessee around. is good because at least it, you know, for all of its warts and whatnot, it can at least balance its checkbook. Yeah, you know that's true. And I, you know, and and manages to do so with no state income tax, which is rare. Yeah, that's a tough you one. Know? Now there's some regressive shit like we tax the hell out of groceries and yeah. things like that, which I don't think we should do. Right. You know, um, or you know, find some way to to offset that. But yeah. Uh, Tennessee is, is, you know, it's a fun place to live. I, what I like, I, what I like the most about living here is it has its own, like New Orleans, it has its own music and its own food and its own it's vibe. Cool, it's got its own dude. liquor and it's got, you know what I mean? Like it's yes. got its own kind of like. Yes. I like any place that has its own kind of like, kind of like punk rock, like you know, like kind of ornery history. Like this is yeah. an ornery place to live. People yes. here are ornery as fuck. Yes. It's great. Mm-hmm. You know. This is the first place I've ever lived where somebody gave me directions based on telephone poles. Really? Yeah. Like, what is that? Uh, like, how do you do that? Like, like well, three you, telephone poles down man, here? Man, let me tell you something. You get on down here, go about this way. You get you about 14 <laughs> telephone poles. <laughs> 14? And then you turn right. Oh. And then you go see a big old barn. If you see the big red rock, you've it's, gone too far. It's going to have a Kenjo engine painted on the side of it. <laughs> and that's where you turn in. I love it. <laughs> it's like, what my so my wife is from... Um, uh, Athens, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, up the road. And yeah. like when we got married, uh, they had, you know, we had to go to like a, like a wedding party reception thing yeah. with her, a bunch of her neighbors and friends. Yeah. And I had the best time. Did you? Oh my God. I've never met so many like country Tennessee people. Like the accent. I love the accent. People you know? here are so much fun. Oh, too. so much fun. <laughs> you know, and all like the crazy shit they'll tell you. I love it. I love it. You didn't get that in Mississippi. You, you know, you just, you got like. It's downtrodden. It feels like everybody's just kind of. I, I think this, I think that, I think that there's, because there's no middle ground, somebody doesn't feel like they can relate to you. They just don't talk to you. I feel yeah. you there. Like you, you, you kind of bump into the same thing in Birmingham where like, and this is the, the people in Birmingham, Alabama that are like what I would classify as rich or like parts of New Orleans, like. There, people like that very, like barely exist here. What do you mean? Like, you know, like the Haslam's are like rich. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's like ten of him in Birmingham. Right. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. You live in this place where like there are people that are so excessively rich, like you will never get anywhere. Near so it's that. polarized. You think? Yeah. There's, yeah, they way big at the top, and then they even like way big at the bottom. Geographically, in that city, like the town of Mountain Brook is like built up on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And the poor part is like down in the vat. And like, so it's a visual other, representation. A, the topography is a yes, visual representation. Yes, there is a, a very rich structure. neighborhood that in between it is a factory. And on the other side of the factory strip is where the poor people live. Man. And it, to this day, that persists. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's what I love about where we live is that the, you know, the poorest people, the poorest dude in town, can talk to the richest yeah. dude in town and have a conversation, and it's it's good. Like we're all people, yeah. we understand that absolutely. I, I think some of it's the school system structure here. Really? So like, yeah. Like yeah. In- so here, I went to public school. Everybody I know went to public school. Yeah. You go to Chattanooga. You go to Memphis. Nobody does. Yeah. No. Everybody goes to private school because public schools for the poors. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and and take it a step further is you know Birmingham had the you know white flight situation yeah, yeah with all the uh, industry and all that and so what they did was they were like well okay 
we'll just create our own city and our own school system. Yeah. And if you don't live here, you can't go to it. Yeah. And what that does is like it redirects all their property tax money to their schools and the rich neighborhoods. So it's like, you know, Birmingham is full of multi-million dollar homes, you know, but all that money goes to the schools in those neighborhoods. It doesn't really go to the schools, you know, in the city proper. Right. So like if you live in one of the, you know, it'd be like if Sequoia Hills had its own school system. Right. You know, and you live in Pond Gap, which is close. That might be the closest, you know, school to your house. Right. You can't go there. You don't pay you, in. Right. Yeah, I feel like we got to. The day, all, we gotta the day that somebody tries to do that, like to, you know, take it out of a county school system or a city school system, mm-hmm. whole, you know, system wide, mm-hmm. I'll be the first person out on the street with a machete and a torch. Really? Oh, it ruins a city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in, you know, f- like a forced segregation. Like I had to be trucked across town to go to a school. Right. Um, and it's just wrong. Why, so why is that? Why do you have to be taken all the way across town? At some point, the federal government in, you know, intervened in a lot of these southern states that refused to integrate their schools. Really? And, yeah. And so they basically had, you know, quotas for, you know, uh, integrating schools. Yeah. Had to have a certain amount of white kids. Yeah. Them. They had to have a balance. Yeah. Um, the neighborhood that I lived in was primarily white. Yeah. You know, so I had to get on a bus every morning and get, you know sent to a school i think my bus ride was like 40 minutes holy shit yeah it's a long way to ride oh morning in in a unair conditioned bus in louisiana yeah Yeah. make a man out of you yeah a sweaty smelly (laughs) horrible teenage like can you imagine what that bus smelled like for that poor bus driver yeah (laughs) that'd have been horrible (laughs) you know that i i I don't i want (laughs) to I, wonder, I don't even know if I had like a different bus driver every year, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. Somebody, there's no way somebody sat there. Could do that for a whole, no, for a no. whole, even in the winter in Louisiana, it's still hot. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So like to have balance and it just messing with a school system like that, it's just wrong. Like I think it should be, you know, you know, a whole city or a whole County. I think yeah. it's here. It's a whole County here, right? It's a County. Yeah, it's a county. Yeah. And that's fine. Like mm-hmm. I think people, you know, Hopefully all the money gets thrown into a pot and, Correct. and then spread out, right? That would be my hope. I don't yeah. I don't have kids, so I don't really know how it Yeah. That's how it's know. supposed to work. That's how it should work. Yeah. Well, it's how it's supposed to work here. A kid a kid in Sequoia Hill shouldn't get a new book that another kid doesn't get just right. because he lives where he and lives. And I think that's the case. I mean, I, I think it's pretty it's pretty well spread out. There are there are whole swaths of the South where that does not happen. Yeah. It's a big bummer. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing we should be fighting for, not rolls of toilet paper at CVS. Yeah. Well, as soon as we free up that, uh, as soon as we free up that opportunity to stop fighting for toilet paper, maybe we can start fighting for things I, that matter. Here's the thing that I don't understand about that: coronavirus doesn't make you shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like I think people are just like, oh God, what do I not have enough of? That here, that's a limiting thing. Here, oh, I've got a freezer full of deer. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the I have this other like disaster time piece of financial advice to, for people right because you know in 2008 when the um when the economy took a crap uh, i was working in an architecture firm and a whole bunch of people lost their jobs like literally like i was in an office one day half the office went over here and the other half went over here and this half on the left lost their job and then this half on the right got to keep their job like it was like it was like that immediate 
Really? Yes. So I, what, I, I watched 20. They split everybody in two. Yes. They called a meeting. Like half the office got a meeting request to go into conference room A. Yeah. And the other half was like, meet That's us That's like the American Idol. That was horrible. Yeah. It was the, it was the most poorly thought through and executed layoff I think I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. And it's huge layoff too. Yeah, it was big. It was, I watched a bunch of people like they, it was like they did it like the middle of the day. Yeah. Or like towards the end of the day. So like we all went back into this huge open studio and we watched, you know, 25, 30 people clean out their desk. Oh. I just tears, just everybody just crying. Like, you know, and, and these are all young, mostly they were young yeah. architects. So like they're right out of school. I'm sure most of them had loans. Yeah. Some of them had bought first homes. Yeah. You know, like they know what the hell are they going to do? And out of nowhere, it's gone. Yeah, it's just gone. Like you thought you had this great job. Like it's your dream to be an architect. You know, um, it was horrible. And that's panic right there, man. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, I mean, that, that they were feeling those people who lost yeah, their gigs, and, man. And they don't, they don't know when they're going to get to go back to work again, right? Yeah. Like they have no, they have no fucking clue, right? So now put yourself in this position where like you've just gotten laid off. You know, you've maybe got, maybe you got like a three month severance and you've got two paychecks in the hole, right? Because you're at that age where you don't really have all that saved yeah. up. So now you have to make good choices with your money. Sure. Why would you buy $1,000 worth of toilet paper <laughs> when getting laid off doesn't make you shit? That's not a good choice. Yeah. We, we're in a situation now where, like, we come out of the backside of this COVID thing. Like, some people are going to lose their jobs. When, like, all this, like, settles down and people get to come people back to have, work. People have. Tons of people have lost their right. jobs right now. So do more than uh, there, there's more people that have filed for unemployment in the last few days or more people that have reported as unemployed yeah. than did in the worst of it, it's almost three times as many people have reported being unemployed that did in the right. middle of the recession. So if you find yourself in that situation, first of all, don't freak out. Right. Right. There you're going to be okay. Um, take advantage of every government thing that you can absolutely right? like tax breaks any kind of deferment anything any, like yeah student loan deferment you, or yeah and if you don't know how to find those things it's time to start asking like just start anybody ask mm -hmm. friends ask parents ask you know call call the freaking have you ever called the irs no they're amazing are they oh my god there's so much help really yes the irs is not the boogeyman they're amazing like really? they have man their customer service is Freaking fantastic! They better be. They're amazing. No, they really are. Like the yeah. like the softer side of the IRS, as of late, is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like don't don't do dumb. Don't like if you. It's like people that are like stockpiling ammunition. I'm like, yo, like when the coronavirus hits and you lose your job, mm -hmm. you need one bullet at that point. <laughs> well, you can't shoot the coronavirus, yo. Right. Like you yeah. need that money to buy food, yeah. you know, when you lose your job. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, the 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 coming war that's coming to get you is not going to shoot at you. It's going to give you like tetanus or something. Like, you know, you like <laughs> get some penicillin, yeah, bro. You know, <laughs> stock up on some antibiotics, bro. Get some put some neosporin in that shit. Like things that you need. You can't eat bullets you know like you can't i feel you there it's it's a it's a miss it, it it's a misappropriated uh effort right i mean it's the thing it, you need to be afraid of is the thing you're not expecting but that thing like you know people that are like stockpiling ammunition right they're expecting to be attacked by something that they can shoot 
Yeah. They're, they're expecting all of the food resources and all yeah. the water resources to dry up and their neighbor from up the street to be running at them like a zombie right. to steal all their shit. And now you're in this like near zombie-esque situation and look at your neighbors. They're awesome. Yeah. They're helping. They're, the they're ordering crawlers from local beer yeah. joints. Like they're helping each other out. Yeah. Like I, Americans never cease to impress me. <laughs> they really don't. Like I, the. I think it's because the people who are doing this, me included, have never really felt this pressure before. This yeah. kind of pressure and this kind of uncertainty, and so there's there's a bit of panic involved and pragmatic and logical thinking is not prevailing here. You know, yeah. there's no one has thought about how many other things in their house they can wipe their ass with <laughs> or that there's a shower right next to the toilet where you could just wash your butt. <laughs> that's, that's it. I wash mean, wash your butt America. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many old food, you know how many old t-shirts you've got that like <laughs> the pop fish shirts in there. You can just, Oh, never, sir. You could just clean never. up. <laughs> never. Brian, Those are gold. You're not allowed to put that on. <laughs> Brian will fucking murder me. Never work in this town again. <laughs> I've got plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> they cut into perfect little squares. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's the 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 thing is like, panic's your enemy. And panic is going to make you, yeah. like, if you, you stay calm. if you panic and you run to the store and you buy $200 worth of toilet paper, you might find yourself in a situation where you could have really used that extra hundred bucks. Absolutely. You know, I'm with you there. You didn't, you, you, you yeah. reacted in a way that caused you to make a poor choice. It's, it's the count to 10 thing. Like, yeah. okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's count to 10. Let's start to think about this in a, in a real kind of way and think about how it plays out and how yeah. it proliferates. And and then let's have a conversation or let's, let's, let's think, let's think about what we, I, what we do here rather than just absolutely yeah. panic buying everything. The, that's the other, the thing that I've really never been able to grasp in situations like this, where like a lot of people, their first instinct is to shift to self-preservation and fear. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I I think I get part of it, especially having a family, having kids, sure. and all that. Like, I, I really want to make sure that my that my wife and my kids are safe and nourished. Yes, and those those are the most Im- important things to me. And then I think when you have those kinds of uh, when when you have those those kinds of non negotiables, I think I think things can escalate quickly, especially if you're yeah. prone to if you're prone to panic or if. If it's just very much something that we've never dealt with before, I I think when you start to try to envision something that you've never had to even think about happening, which is a month, two months inside your house without anybody but you and your family, it's 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 thought processes yeah. that you've never been in before, yeah. and so the the I, I think there's very much um, an an instinct to just just grasp at the first idea you have, which is we're going to run out of food. Okay. What else are we going to run out of? And so I think that I don't think we deserve a pass as, um, as, as humans for, for the way that we're, we're dealing with this. I I really just think that we need to, um, I, I I think that we just need to, to think about it a little bit deeper and make sure that we're doing the, 
make sure that we're doing the things that are not just good for our family and good for us, but how how are we going to make sure that the the people, our neighbors are are going to have meat on the shelves when Correct. they go to the store too? Because well, the funny important. thing is, like the the you know, like I was in the grocery store earlier today, uh, and the meat doesn't seem to be. I mean, it, it's not all like everything you want isn't there, but there's plenty of stuff. Like I walked to the grocery store today and I was like, I could make 50 meals out of all the stuff. I'm like, this, mm-hmm. like no one's, no one's going to the shrimp. The shrimp dock is like stocked. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, yeah. y'all need to have a shrimp boil. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Get down on that. Um, but I think the, the, the toilet paper thing is interesting to me because it's like, <laughs> How much of that do you really need? And like, I, somebody really like, I, I really want to do like a, a, like an essay or a documentary on this because it's, it's like, I think it's fucking hilarious that that's a thing that people are going. Yeah. About. And well, and not only is it hilarious, but like, have you been down the beer aisle? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I have. It's, it's stocked to the hill. Yes, it is. So it is. They've got beers hanging explain out. Explain to me. Mm-hmm. Cause it, how long does it take to make a vat of beer? <laughs> a long, time. a long fucking yeah. time, right? Yeah. And like, like liquor too. Like you yeah. don't just like, like yeah. yo, they can make toilet paper in like a day, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it doesn't take three months to make a roll of toilet paper, does it? Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Why are we out of toilet paper and not beer? <laughs> I'll tell you what I'd rather have in an apocalypse. I mean. I drink six beers in a sitting, like if I want to, like I don't use toilet paper that fast. <laughs> what? Who? Who is this asshole who has a whole garage full of toilet paper? You know, it is like, well, I guess I'm gonna hang on to this for a while. <laughs> You're like, what? What are you? What are you gonna do with it? You gonna like build a fort? Like, what? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I, if I think- anything, we should be out of booze. Like people should be hoarding it. Agreed. I was uh I, I stopped to get fuel today at a pilot on the strip and everybody in line was drunk because they'd been drinking sure. all day long. Oh yeah, on the strip, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and it was but it was a it was college kids, it was it was grown people, yeah. everybody in there was buying two by fours and, and tall boys and all that. And, I'm so and, <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit this because my I'm sure at some point I'll post this, my mother will listen to it. But uh when Hurricane Katrina came through, I was living in Birmingham. My family lives in Slidell, Louisiana. And, you know, I I had known my little and my little sisters at LSU at the time. My mom had sent me a message and was like, hey, you know, we've evacuated. We're, we're leaving. But I lost power like probably 20 or 30 minutes after we'd had that phone conversation. So, like, I had a cell phone. But, like, at the time, like, there wasn't as much you know, ability to connect. And unbeknownst to me, my parents had this like horrendous, you know, afternoon in like traffic and like from Slidell to Baton Rouge is only like two hours. I think right. they, I it took them like five, six hours to go, you know, they're in line with like cars burning and like people freaking God out. Damn, and like, dude. you know, it's like, it's like, it looks like something you'd see in like Mogadishu. Right. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's just pouring down rain. It's miserable. And you know, the, the whole world's coming apart. And, uh, I'm at my buddy Damon's house having a hurricane party <laughs> being in New Orleans and just like the, the like, trees are outside bending in shapes that like you didn't know they could bend in. Right. And we're just just shit house crushed. Like I have no. <laughs> and then like woke up the next morning, like 
and the whole the whole thing is just like coming down on top of us like the whole that whole chunk of the south is just getting obliterated and uh i hadn't heard anything from my parents and i'm freaking out and like now cell phones just don't work right like, i can't like every time you try to call you just get like the the carrier signal <clears throat> and uh i mean it just it freaked me out you know and like i i literally spent the next 3 days in like states of like panic like god is my family okay and like well everybody's power's out we better eat all of our food and get drunk you know like that you know, something like 20 something yeah you know so it's this weird like kind of party stress yeah social and then finally like you know monday rolls around and i have to go back to work and uh i work in this i work in a print a closed print facility for kinkos at the time it's fedex kinkos and uh fema dropped off some job for like two-part carbonless forms for people to like fill out yeah you know disaster relief forms yeah and i and Three other people who I'm still friends with to this day printed an entire semi truck load of paper around the clock, nonstop for days on end. Post post Katrina, like yeah, like the thing is hit, the city's flooded, and now I'm the National off Guard, and now consent forms for FEMA. Yeah, and now I'm working, literally working around the clock, and not just FEMA, like insurance companies. Yeah, and like, we were everybody the only, wanted triplicate kind of stuff. Yeah, we were the only high capacity print shop. Wow. Still like really running hard. And uh, I slept in there for, I don't know, two weeks. So when, when was Katrina? August oh, 1st. It was, oh, it was oh, 04 or four, 05. Yeah. Oh, 04 or 05, I, I, I think. I actually had to look it up. Yeah. I had a lot of drugs shot into me since then. Yeah, so I'm sure. Things, things but it was are, in things are fuzzy, man. It was in August, right? Yeah, it was in August. And it was like the first couple days yeah. of August, right? Yeah. So a couple days after the hurricane hit, you're – you're sleeping in the print shop. Yeah, like I'm working nonstop. God bless, man. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And you were in New Orleans? Birmingham. You were yeah, in Birmingham. I was in Birmingham. But then, like, you know, my dad worked in an office depot, uh, like kind of in further into the city in, yeah. in a part of the town called Metairie. And, uh, you know, he was having to make that drive across the lake kind of into New Orleans every day. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I think that whole process for him, again, if he's listening to this, he'd probably agree. I I think that experience did something to him that can't be undone. Yeah. I mean, he had to see some just terrible shit. I'm like, sure. You know, his employees are just struggling, like everybody around, everybody, that, that whole ordeal. And it took years to get their house put back together. Really? Yeah. Where I was mean, their house? Slide L. So it's kind of yeah, on the yeah. other side of like Pontchartrain, kind of on the eastern side of the city. Yeah. So like if you're... You know, if you're driving from here to New Orleans, you'd go through Slidell. Right before you hit New Orleans. Then you'd cross the lake and then you'd get into New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, so people were moving their direction when when, when it emptied out. Yeah. I mean, that then one of the bridges across that lake just got done, throttled. Yeah. So the one and the one they put back is like, you know, four stories higher. And, you know, it's 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 really arresting to see it. You know, because like they turn the old one into like a fishing pier. Yeah. You drive past on the new one and it's like, oh my God, you know, like. We used to drive on that. Yeah. <laughs> we used to drive well, on that. I mean, it's just so much higher up off the lake. Yeah. It's like, you know, and I think the process of building that bridge killed like five people. What do you think Katrina did to the um, the pride of New Orleanians and so forth? I mean, honestly, I, I can't really say that because I don't live there. Yeah. I, I can tell you that from somebody who has 
been in and out of that city his whole life since day one that like it it's different and i can't tell you if it's different for better or for worse really yeah See, i mean I, there's a lot an of outsiders like, point of view i look at it and i think that there was so much uh togetherness that bred out of that and so much sure. unity and all that it seems like it sure i mean you just watch the you know the saints play and yeah. it's like they're all together they're all ready to roll the whole stands is is feeling like i'm a new orleanian yeah i, I love the city is new that- orleans is this like really wonderful um like high contrast experience there's a lot of really good and there's a lot of really bad yeah and there's a lot of in between yeah and it you know living in that city is very difficult it's a very I'm hard sure. place to live. It has yeah. a lot of racial issues. It has a lot of gentrification issues because of Katrina. Um, it has experienced a resurgence in popularity. People love it. Uh, the food, you know, scene as of late has been really good in New Orleans. There's a lot of there are places to eat in New Orleans that will freaking change your life. Really? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know the art and the culture and like the D-Day museum is there. And like the zoo is wonderful. And the aquarium is awesome. Um, I always tell people to like take the boat across the river to go to Algiers and, you know, like see some, you know, see some rowdy shit. Yeah. You know, um, but it, you know, I think, I think somebody gets shot there every day. Yeah. You know, like that doesn't happen here. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. I actually like that. I, when we first moved here, I read a statistic that Knoxville has more stabbings than it has shootings. Huh, a little close encounter. Oh, man, I love the country folk in the mountains. They're still stabbing one another, man. It's awesome. Yeah, that's some personal you, shit. You yeah, know what I mean? That is like, personal. To be, you know, like, I, it's I, easy to drive past somebody's house and fill it up with bullets. It's yeah. another thing to knock on the door and just fucking stab them. Yeah. You know? like, I don't practice social distancing. I'm just going to stab your yeah, ass right here three you. feet apart. I see what you did to my friend. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I always tell people, like, my heart belongs to New Orleans, but my ass is staying in Knoxville. <laughs> I love it here. I'll take it. Yeah. Dude, one more thing I want to talk about before we quit is you and I are both um, two of the dumbest people I know for owning oh, God. Volkswagen Eurovans. Oh, you, want to late, talk, you want to talk about Newman? Late model Volkswagen oh. Eurovans. How many miles does yours have on it? 243. Oh, you got me beat. I, Original transmission too, bro. Oh, you're done. Yeah, I That's, know. I'm you're, done. You're done. Yeah. So we so we both have uh you know, the old Volkswagen buses, they're they're beautiful and they're they're all It's not a bus, uh, it's a Eurovan. Well but I'm talking about the old ones, the old like sixties, yeah, seventies yeah, yeah, yeah. type twos that were were uh, you know air cooled. Yes, yeah. all the the four four cylinder air cooled, the same motor that's in Porsche, you know, little nine yeah. fourteens and all that. Uh you know, these things look so great and they make little, you know, they make power wheels out yeah. of them. My daughter's got one because they're, they're so beautiful, they're, yeah. cute, and idyllic and all that. Richard Scary puts them in like kids' books and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But a 2003 Volkswagen Eurovan goes 90 miles an hour. It has heat. It has air conditioning. It has a VR6 in it. It sounds good, right? It has has the pop top on it, so you can sleep two people upstairs, pull out bed in the back, sleep two people there. It's got a table that comes up. All this sounds great. <laughs> I can't believe you want to have this conversation. This it is gonna, sounds great. This is going to send me into orbit. Is it? <laughs> well, I drove it here tonight just you for did. you. Oh, and yeah. it's parked right next to oh, mine yeah, right yeah. out there. We've got two money pits out there parked right next to each other. <laughs> the, well, I think, I think the hardest I've ever seen Cody laugh yeah. is – 
when you walked up to Cody me, you're, yeah, and yeah. you were like, "Hey, do you want to buy a parts van?" And I was like, "Man, I drive the parts van." <laughs> <laughs> they are the coolest vehicles on planet Earth. And if you want to buy one, we've got two of them for sale. <laughs> <laughs> They're both parts vehicles, yeah. and they both run. <laughs> I don't even I, honestly like. I think it, I was telling Kelly, she was like. Well, what are you going to take off Ben's van? And I was like, I think if we put both of these together, we still wouldn't have a reliable vehicle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've driven that thing to California twice, though. Have I you? will say, yeah. Here's the. So I'll tell you the. I have this terrible story. Of this thing. Uh, I took Kelly. She wanted to go camping for her birthday, so we were going to go to Santilla. And I was like, I got us a campsite up there, and yeah. it didn't even occur to me that I have to drive up the tail over of the, the dragon. dragon. Yeah, which is a. A terrible thing to do in the spring in a Eurovan. Was it hot? It wasn't hot, but I mean, you know, these things are like it. It'll, yeah, sure. It'll do 85, 90 miles an hour. Yeah. It won't do it straight uphill. No, no. No, no. Uh, it, they weigh uh, 6,000 pounds? Yeah, more than a truck. Yeah. It's like an F 150. Yeah. But it has like yeah. the crappiest V6. It's got that, the same motor in it that a Passat has in it. Yeah, it has the yeah. worst engine that germany has ever produced you think in terms of just like it's got some tug to it no 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 No. you know it's it's reliable but it's it's like it's like oh grandpa can still make it up the stairs look at that he's 90 (laughs) that's how i feel every time i'm driving up a hill (laughs) it's horrible like every and so now i'm taking it up this like the what like the most hairpin turns east of the Mississippi. Yeah, it's all and like, crazy. Three hundred turns. There's people behind me in like supercars. Like yeah. there's a guy behind me, you know, in a Porsche that's like fucking. His brain is melting because I'm, you know, I'm doing like thirty, and um, the transmission pan in these vehicles only has three bolts, and it's like Ooh, this weird. Sounds silly. It should really should have like sounds six. German. It should yeah. It should have like six or eight, but because of the way it's shaped, it can't. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, long story short, we ended up going up the entire tail of Dragon with no transmission fluid in this vehicle. Ooh, drained out? It just been leaking over time. Yeah. And then finally, once we got up, you know, up the hill, yeah. it all ran to the back of the pan and the sump couldn't pick it up anymore. And you can't add transmission fluid to this vehicle by yourself. Right. You have to take it to like get serviced. Mm-hmm. So we go up this thing, and I've, I'm in, like, second gear the entire time I'm going up the Dragon, and the thing is just pegged at 7,000 RPMs. And it's just going, wee! <laughs> and Kelly's like, should we stop? I'm like, nah, fuck no, it. We're just, about to the top. It's going to be all downhill. Just, you know what? Just let it die. Like, just put me, like, oh, let's just shoot it like old Yeller. You know, like, just, <laughs> So we're going up, and, like, I'd stop, like, four or five times, like, let it cool off and look under the hood. Take it to the shop. They're like, yeah, your transmission's fine. I just needed some fluid. I'm like, are you sure it's not dead? <laughs> you sure? Because like, you're like, I just Terry Shivoed the shit out of this thing. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this thing should be dead. <laughs> and he's like, no, we put some fluid in it. You know, Will drove it home. He said it cruises just fine. And you know what? He was right. I was like, you know, this thing, it's never going to die. It's never going to die. Like, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it'll always let you down. Like right before we took it to Floyd Fest, yeah. Oh, this is bad. So we took we were gonna take it to Floyd Fest, right? Yeah. And like I just took it in for like some routine. Like I literally told the guy at MF. MF. Yeah. I was like, "What's his Wes? Wes? Yeah. 
I told him. I asked Wes if he knew you last time I was in there. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's got the same bus you do. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's like, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, thanks, you guys are paying my mortgage on my <laughs> lake house. You see? Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> As he goes out, he gets in his F-150, you know, <laughs> starts every time. Uh, yeah, so I, I call those guys and I'm like, listen, we're taking this thing to Floyd Fest. And, like, we have to take it because we have our campsite is for Volkswagen buses only. Oh, that's cool. So, and it's cool. They 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 have one of those. Yeah, those? they have this whole like Oh, that's cool. They have this whole like festival campsite. Floyd Fest is awesome. Is is a lot of fun. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Um and so like Kelly really wanted to do this and like I splurged on the V-dub tickets and like, you know, I'm like whatever, the euro the euro will make it. It it's just Virginia, right? Yeah. Like it can't be that yeah. bad. And so I take it in there and the guys like you know, dude, your heater core is busted. Like, he gives me this whole like laundry list of stuff that's wrong with it. I'm like, "You know what? Fix it." Fix it. I don't want this thing to crap out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So he calls me. He's like, hey, your Eurovan's done. I'm like, cool. Uh, you know, Kelly's at work. I'm going to take an Uber out there and I'll just go pick it up. Yeah. Right? It's pouring down rain. It's like one of those like Tennessee monsoons. Yeah. I'm supposed to leave for Floyd Fest in two days. I get almost all the way back to my house and the thing just dies. Oh, no. And I've literally just pumped God knows how much money into this thing. And I, I had like the biggest temper tantrum. Did you call Wes? Well, after I had the temper tantrum, but like, you know, the nice thing about a Eurovan is you have all this room to have a fit. Yeah, exactly. You You pop the top, stand up. It's like being in your living room. You can just throw shit. Oh, you piece (laughs) of shit. You know? So I call Wes. I'm like, hey, man. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, let me tell you how it's going. (laughs) I'm two miles from my house and this piece of shit. I'm not even two miles. I'm 300 yards from, I can see my house. And it's, I'm in this piece of shit that's too heavy to push because it weighs 6,000 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? It's pouring down rain. I'm not going to get my truck to like tow this thing back to that. Like, I'm just not doing this in the rain. So I tell him, I'm like, I'm calling a tow truck. And if it's some shit you fixed, you're paying for the tow. I'm, I'm sending this back to you. And it turns out that uh, it had, you know, bad alternator or something. Yeah. And they're all other kind of electrical problems. Mm-hmm. So like, I ended up like, on top of the Floyd Fest tickets and the campsite and all that, I ended up spending like some absurd amount of money. That that van is worth probably a new Subaru at this point. Ours is worth exactly thirty five thousand dollars. We I'm, paid fifteen thousand yeah, for I it and twenty thousand to fix it. <laughs> That's not a lie. It's, I've got the spreadsheet. It's worse than any boat. I swear to God, it is. The Farfagnugan is is German for boat. <laughs> like it's just. Is it not the most badass vehicle? No, on here's the thing. Earth? I'm so mean to it. Like I give it terrible names. You know, yeah. I, I I I I hurl profanities at it. But like, when it works, when it's doing the thing that it's meant to do, it's fantastic. I mean, my wife and my dog are like so happy in this damn thing when we could take it camping. Yes. And like I've made like I'll show you before we leave. I've made like a little kitchen for the back of it, mm-hmm. like a little chuck box. You know, yeah. like it's great. Yes. If I could depend on it, I'd never get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like some Volkswagen's new, uh, new, yeah, right. New slogan, yeah. If I could depend on it, yeah. If I could just depend on, you know, what I mean, it's like it's like dating somebody you just don't trust. You know, like I'm in this relationship with this thing, I don't fucking trust it. Yeah, you know, like I told Kelly when I left the house, I was like, I'm taking Newman. Leave your phone on, because <laughs> this thing is like notorious, and like it never breaks down on her. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's yeah. the thing that really pisses me off about yeah. it too. Is like she because she loves the thing. Like yeah. I mean, she's probably. She's probably 90% of the reason why I bought the thing. 
I mean, she was so excited when I brought well, it Well, I didn't even know you – we didn't even really know each other when you bought yours. And I walked in your driveway. I was like, no kidding. Yeah. We are brothers. I know. Another psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, He's broken too. Person. Another yeah. broken man. <laughs> you two have been yeah. let down. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I think I've finally gotten to the point, though, where, like, I'm not – I'm, you know, obviously in the middle of a recession. You ain't selling that thing. Mm-mm. Like, I'm stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know, me and Newman – we're together going now. going down. Yeah. Yeah, so now, ship. now I'm uh, there's some shit wrong that like I'm gonna just fix. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the, the, I'm gonna That's rip the carpet out. It needs a center console. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't live with the cup holders that are in it. Nothing fits in them. No, I, I mean my beers spill everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, your road soda? <laughs> my road dog. Damn spill road everywhere. sodas, man! It's got road soda <laughs> all over the carpet, man. <laughs> a, a can fits in it. That's about it. I, no, I don't think a can fits in it. Does it, a can fit in it? It does in mine. It's loose, but it fits. Yeah, everything else is, I don't think is cans too fit. big. I don't think cans fit in mine. Really? What year is yours? 03. 03. I think mine's, a, mine's an 01. Really? Yeah. We'll have to get those aftermarket cup holders. I'm just going to make one out of plywood. Yeah, and I'm just gonna, I'm, or I'm going to make it out of aluminum. I'm just going to weld it to the floor. Yeah, it's probably not a bad move. Yeah. I've, I thought about making it out of aluminum and welding it to the floor just so I could stand on it and get in the... Because people like to stand on the seats and the armrests. Yeah, the armrests are where kids stand, yeah. and they break. Yeah, and, and, I, and so I've I've trained my four year old daughter that you stand on this side of the armrest because if you stand on this side, it breaks yeah. it. And and I've got a couple. I went of, to MF. Uh, armrest kits in there that will fix it. MF had like five vans in their parts lot one day when I drove up there for yeah. another ninety thousand dollars worth of repairs. And they were like, yeah, those are parts fans. And I was like, oh, really? So one of them was a white one that was the same interior as mine. And I was like, I want all these seats. Is that what you have in yours right now? Yeah. Your seats look nice. I got all, I got, I robbed the two captain's chairs and the two rear chairs out of a, another van that had the exact same upholstery. Do you have seat heaters? No. Okay. No. But like the person that had owned that van prior to me, like their kids had like stomped on all the, Every armrest was just flopping around, and it yeah. made me. Insane. That's a ten dollar fix from uh, from Go Westy. Not if they break them hard enough, because I actually tried that. I even get to the point where, like, I had because if they there's a little there's yeah there's a like a flange piece. If that gets that, chewed up enough, it won't. Yeah, it won't work. It's a six millimeter yeah. uh, uh, Allen that you got to take yeah. the armrest. If off that with, thing underneath it gets chewed up to a certain point, mm, or then the, it won't grab. It's it's like yeah. gears, right? Yeah. It won't grab like won't a rosette, grab, and it won't. If the inside part, inside of the seat, there's a hole that that little pin sits in. Mm-hmm. If that hole gets jacked up, it, it won't it, grab. It won't grab it. And then you got floppy armrests, yep, which is the best part about that vehicle is driving your ass down the road with both mm-hmm. arms on the armrest and both hands on the wheel, feeling like an old man driving yeah. your, your class C. The funny RV thing is, the, is the, the driver's seat has an armrest on the door side. Yeah, which no other vehicle does. I've never every other vehicle. It's just the door. They build an yeah. armrest into the door, but this has two armrests that come so down. So you'll you go, get to like you know the gas station to go take a piss. So you're you trying to jump out and you like fucking stab yourself with the armrest. <laughs> like why is that here? <laughs> For when you're driving, so dumb. I can never use it. My wife loves it though, like because yeah. you know, she's a little shorter and she can't. Yeah. I feel like a 90 year old man with my wife and my kids in the, in the van, just both arms on the armrest driving down the road. You know, they it's make great. a kit to make the, you can take the two jump seats out of the back and you can make the swivel seats. Swivel seats. Yeah. And I've seen people do that. It's yeah. Uh, so you've got a cooler behind your, 
behind your driver's seat, right? Yes. Uh, underneath the yeah. seat, behind the driver's secondary seat. Secondary battery cooler. and a cooler. Yeah. Yeah. The the secondary battery is underneath the seat. The, underneath the driver's seat. Underneath yeah. the driver's yeah. seat. And then the cooler is behind yeah. the jump seat that faces yep. backwards. Does your cooler work? Yeah. Mine doesn't. It's a bummer. Does it, does it, does it really work? Can it cool something down no. if you throw? No. No, I don't think, I don't think it ever. <laughs> I mean, I think it would keep you from getting it's like. It's supposed to be like an RV refrigerator, no, right? No, it's no, not. It doesn't work with a shit like that. I mean, I think it would keep your like your road soda, you know, from getting. Yeah. Well, I took my jump seat out that's behind the passenger seat, and I just put a Yeti cooler there. Yeah. I put a Yeti forty five there, and my I, the only reason the jump seat's in that one right now is because I don't like having it in the garage collecting sawdust. Yeah. But that's yeah, it. it usually if I take it on a trip or something, I usually yeah. It's easy out. to pull out. It's oh, one yeah, switch. It just pops out. Yeah, pops right out. You can make the other one easier to pop out too. It's four bolts. Yeah. Yeah. It's four bolts. Yeah, but they they make you can you can put like quick release pins in it. Can so you? Can, yeah. I mean, nobody sits in it. Yeah, true. Even Have you ever sat in it? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's actually car sick. What's funny is like if you sit in that seat in any Eurovan, it's the nicest seat because no one ever sits in it. Yeah, it's the nicest one to sit it's on. It's the only one that feels like it came from the yeah, factory. It's it's a little close to the table though. If you yeah. pop the table up and you sit in that one, it's a little bit it's a little weird. We'll occasionally go get like on a rainy day, we'll go get takeout and we'll just sit in the van and eat it. Dude, we do that all the time. It's we hilarious. Um, we will um Drop my oldest daughter off at like, you know, dance or gymnastics or whatever it is. It's Saturday morning and we'll go get breakfast and we'll pop the table up in yeah. the back and sit outside while we're waiting on her to yeah. finish. And we'll sit at the table and have breakfast with our yeah, other I, little girl I, and I, hang out. It's really cool. It's an awesome, awesome vehicle. It's 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 amazing that they don't make something like that. Well, they now. do. You can still get them in Europe. Yeah. Like to this day. Eurovans, they, right? But but they don't they don't do them the same mm-hmm. floor plan, do they? Yeah. Do they? You can still get a, a pop top camper Volkswagen in Europe. Like when we were in Scotland two years ago, I saw them everywhere, and really? like, and they they they're so much better. Really? Yeah, but you can't have them here because they only make them in a diesel, and they don't make they don't meet the impact requirements or the emission requirements to be. So over they here. won't ship them. They won't ship them. Hey, that didn't stop them from uh, <laughs> emissions. Didn't stop whoa, them. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, sure didn't. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, if you go see a new one now, you're like. Shit, I drive this. Like, yeah, you know anybody absolutely. anybody that owns a new one in Europe, if they saw our hunk of shit, they'd be like, ha ha ha. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, you made it. <laughs> I mean, they yeah, they've got a brand new like twenty twenty one out now, but like they we don't get it. Yeah, dude. As with a lot of things in America, we just don't get. We it. just don't get we it. Get it. Yeah. Derek, thanks for coming by, man. Anytime, I appreciate dude. you hanging yeah, out. It's yeah, fun. fun. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, I talk your ear off, man. Let's do it again <laughs> anytime. All right. All right. All right. That's it. That's Mr. Derek Trimble. Um, You feel better? You feel good? You feel like we can handle this? You feel like you want to go buy a Volkswagen Eurovan? Do you you feel like you want to take a camper to the edge of the earth and and just live until this all passes by? Whatever you want to do, you got it. Do it. Guys, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Engage with me on social media at South of Scruffy on Instagram, South of Scruffy at gmail.com. Guys, thank you so much. Take it easy. Matt Honkinen, play me out.